0: You know, with Jesus, we have, we have everything, don't we? And without Jesus, we don't have anything. And that's, that's a fact. It's, it's the reality of a, of a great spiritual truth. We look around and we see people who seem to be doing fine without him. And we've all been to funerals. That where everybody is just talking about this good person, How, what it, it, they were a good person is a good person. So they're in a better place because they're a good person. They're in a better place. How many times have you heard that? I've been to funerals like that. I've asked been asked to minister at some and unfortunately, it's not a it's not a good feeling. Because that's not the reality of it as we know it. Of course, we're here to be witnesses and lights, not a judge. But the fact is, the word is true, and we know the qualification. Jesus said himself in John 3, 3, Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So, we have Jesus, we have everything. We have not don't have Jesus, we don't really have anything, just an empty shell. So we're thankful because all of us here today, we have Jesus. And so we have everything. We want to learn to not just wait on the hereafter to walk in the fullness of what we have inherited. We want to learn how to Walk in the blessing of God in this life. It's so important. And I'll begin to share with you more and more why. But we need to be strong. We need to be free. We need to be empowered and blessed and prosperous. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we really grasp. We have great revelation knowledge. Not just book knowledge, but revelation knowledge. Where God turns the light on you go, ah, I see it. I get it. Because that's what you need when it comes to these spiritual truths regarding all the benefits that come with salvation. Starting at the moment of salvation. Jesus prayed the last night of his life here before he was crucified. John seventeen three. This is eternal life. He's talking to the father, but he says it in a way that you know he's. He's defining it for the disciples. He didn't have to define it to the Father. He's defining it for the disciples who are watching him pray to the Father. Father, this is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's the meaning of eternal life. To know God the Father and to know Jesus. This is an intimate, passionate word for know. The same word that they used in the Old Testament that Adam knew Eve and they conceived a child. It's a obviously not a physical thing, but it's a very personal thing, you see. But that eternal life starts at the moment of our salvation. And so we don't have to wait and just endure and go through and just, I'm, I'm just waiting. No, we can be conquerors and more than just survivors, you know. Colossians 2.10 says that we are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. He's talking about things on heaven, in heaven and on earth and below the earth. Jesus is the head of all of it. Right now, Satan is in charge of this world for a time. He has been given legal authority here by us, by the way. In the garden. Speaking of us as the seed of man. When we threw away our rights and privileges. When we entertained. The lies and deception of the devil. And corrupted the seed. That God had placed in us. But God provided a way back to him. And so now. We can't expect that. He should feel any other way about it. Except. The way that he does. Regarding the decisions we make regarding his son in this life what i mean by that is how many times do you hear people well i believe in jesus but i also think that if they go back to it's a they look at christianity as a a system of behavior modification and so maybe that will that works for you but these guys are born in another part of the world. They don't know anything. This is where they how they were raised. And they're good people. So they're they're going to be okay too. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's about that corrupted seed, that corrupted spirit of Satan and iniquity that has been born with each and every one of us since the Garden of Eden. It has to be evicted. That corrupted spirit and the Spirit of God ushered in when we received Jesus. So now we're complete in Him. We have the very mind of Christ. You say, man, am I saved? Because my mind is pretty screwed up sometimes. (laughs) You can't discern your spirit with your natural senses. That's why you need this. That's why the devil hates this so much. The word refers to Satan coming after people always for the sake of the word. To steal and snatch the word. When's he going to come after this word that we're talking about today? In your life. According to the word today. Immediately he's going to come and try to steal the word from you. Why would he want to steal it from you? So desperately. Because this is what will save you. This is what will empower you. Jesus said, my words are spirit, and they are life. The enemy has tried to corrupt and destroy everything in our world. Look around. He's tried to kill the peace and unity of our, our world. We see our nation, so even just, just limit it to that. Our nation, and he's been very successful, quite and then you have people who are struggling to to just, oh, let's just have peace. Just one big global peace and love. They seem very accepting and tolerant, but they're not accepting and tolerant of our beliefs. Matter of fact, they may kill us for it. Jesus said in Matthew, the 10th chapter, 34th verse. You can look at that if you want and then go to Luke 10. That's where I'm going to be. But Matthew 10, 34, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. That's weird. Because we think of the Christmas story, right? The angels, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Toward men, from God. Not not peace amongst men. Peace. Peace. He's offering peace through Jesus to men. Jesus says here, I didn't come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. Isn't that what he says? Aren't those red red letters? Jesus said it. Oh man, is this pastor crazy? He's advocating violence and swords. No. Man, I gave that up. This is the only (laughs) sword that I... That I'm allowed to use now. Now don't get me wrong. I'll defend my family to the end. But this is, this is what God had to teach me. This is the only weapon at our disposal. Offensive weapon that is. All the, the armor of God is all defensive weapons. Except for this. This is our sword. Amen. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace to earth, but division, he says in Luke. That's the Matthew version. In Luke, he says, but division. Now, is that because Jesus likes division? No, he spent a long time in in between John 14 and 17. You'll see where he's praying and talking with the disciples and ministering to them about unity and peace and love and all the things that he is and stands for and will have. But he's saying, my being here will not bring peace to the earth. It'll bring division. Why? Because when confronted with this, there are choices to be made. And my brother, my sister, my mother, father, they may reject him. Does that give me a pass? No, we're all going to stand before him one day, and our life here and our eternity will have a great deal dependent upon our choices regarding him today. And so, I mean, this is not a secret. Many, everyone sitting here, I guarantee you, know somebody that you really love, and you want them to be on board with Jesus and to walk with him and to know him like you do, and they don't, and they think you're a hypocrite and a judge because of him. And it's just not true, and it's hurtful, and you just really want, you pray for them, but you've, some of them you just stop trying to talk to because it's counterproductive, so you just continue to pray, and that's what you should do. Because the only thing, the devil has a hold of them. And one day, when, if God sees that their heart will be sensitive to him, he'll continue to draw, and he'll, he'll continue to try and reach them throughout, as long as there's breath in their body. It's His will that all should be saved, but it's a choice. But S- Satan is trying to destroy all these things, to trying to kill marriage, trying to redefine marriage. And see, the problem with our culture, or a nation, or a government trying to redefine uh, the meaning of marriage is that they did not create marriage; God did, and He He defined its terms between a man and a woman. That might have been too much Lord for me. I heard Reinhard Bonnke say that one time, and it worked for him. But he wants to kill Christianity. He wants to kill Christianity, and but the church has always thrived and prospered the most in times of great persecution. So don't be discouraged when you look around and you see churches and denominations that are splitting because this one embraces. Things that you know are not of God, don't worry; it's not God. But this is bound to happen because when, when Satan came to the earth, and the third of the angels who followed him, you know they're still here, and they're he's very active in the church. And Jesus said, "Just, just let it be. I'm going to sort it all out." But the true believers and the true church is going to come forth, a, a, a radiant bride. And we're going to be more powerful in these last times than the churches ever have been since the book of Acts, which is still the model, by the way. God still heals. God still prospers and provides and loves and cares for his people. Look at Luke 10 real quick. I want to remind you of a familiar passage of scripture. Luke chapter 10, starting at the Boy, if I could do the long version today, i just start at the first of the chapter, but I'm not. I'm reading the English Standard Version, the ESV. I like it because it's very similar to the King James Version, but it's in English, I say. Luke 10, and go down to the 25th verse. Let's see here. And behold, a lawyer... Stood up. This is a scribe. This is a religious teacher of the day, of the Old Testament, okay? They call them lawyers or scribes. Um, He stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? People always wanted to know what they can do. He said to him, What's written in the law? He went to something the man would be familiar with, something he could communicate with him about. He knew that he knew the first five books of this, which was their Torah. And that's what he was referring to. He said, well, you know the law. What's written in the law? How do you read it? In other words, answer your own question from the word. Isn't that interesting? Jesus always points you to the word. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. He quoted two scriptures and put them together from the Old Covenant. One from Leviticus and one from Deuteronomy. Wise to do so. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, which which of you have done all that in, perfectly in your life? Love God with everything you are and loved God your neighbor as yourself all your life without fail. Okay, I I was just showing you how to raise your hand. I'm not (laughs) claiming that either. 29th verse. But he, and he didn't even leave it at that. He should have just left it at that and just begged for mercy. But he desiring to justify himself. What's that mean? In other words, he wanted to make sure that... uh, the exceptions that he had made to this rule were justified and accurate (laughs) because he knew it didn't apply to everyone, which the scripture does. He said, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? (laughs) In other words, he wanted Jesus to exclude some of them. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Told him a parable. This man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Interesting. Really interesting. This scribe, this lawyer of the day, their law was the Bible. <laughs> this He thought that this... this Hurt man was something to be discussed. Looking in the parable, we see the priest who was supposed to be the most holy, wise teacher of the day. Yet he saw this wounded person, this human being in need, as something to be avoided. And so did the Levite. The Levites were from the tribe of Levi. They helped the priest. They did everything in and around the temple and served. But they were supposed to be wise and powerful rulers of the... But he didn't help. Also avoided. Then Jesus does something crazy. And he chooses a Samaritan the people of Samaria to the Jews were unclean. They were mixed. When, when the Jews had gone into exile in Babylon, when they came back, the northern Jews had mixed with some of the other foreigners and had offspring and these were the Samaritan people. And the Jews just thought that they were unclean wouldn't even talk to him you notice when this lawyer answers he says who was was the neighbor he says well the one who showed mercy he didn't say the Samaritan he didn't want to say that word they were gross to them beneath them but Jesus purposely used this Samaritan as the one who was really right in God's eyes that Samaritan did the right thing we, we find ourselves, you ever, you ever looked at that and said, which one am I, man? <laughs> which, where do I fit in? A lot of times, we, we're not even in the parable. We're just like the, uh, we're like the lawyer. And if we're smart, though, we'll do it differently because we do need to go to Jesus sometimes and say, Lord, who's my neighbor and have I been right? Because if the truth be known, we'll find ourselves acting like the priest and the Levite many times, and then other times, you know, the other. I, my wife and I, night before last, we were going to Walgreens, to stop and pick something up, and uh, I saw a or she saw this car pulled off the road real quick in the back of Walgreens, kind of like. Just right up, made it up the driveway, and just kind of stopped right in the back, and it's kind of dark back there. And and there's a a, 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 lady, a young woman and, and two little girls, and they're just pouring out of the car, and they're like, and my wife's like, oh, it's there's children and a, and a woman. Oh, we got to see what's what's going on if we can help them. So I pulled up and right away, you know, because it's not a good place for them to be. And I and my and most non-scary. Women and children voice, you know, what led to see my wife, you know. I'm like, hi, are we okay? You know, yeah, we saw a spider. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. But I was ready to help, you know. I mean, a little pat on the back. I mean, that's nothing. That's how we should be, right? I mean, I, I, I run into people all the time, you know, oh, how are you? How are you? One time it was raining and I was I was broke down. I had a flat tire at this gas station. I've been sitting there for an hour just praying. You came to change my tire. Oh yeah, I remember you now. I remember I've always been in I find it just come upon terrible accidents. I saw I saw a hit and run one time. I was standing there at this place. It's a drive through. My sister and I years ago we just seen Steve Miller band and we went and after the show, and this car, bam! His truck hits his car, keeps on going, and spins it around, and goes there and catches on fire. And I just ran straight for it. My sister's like, "No," because she knows me. I ran to it, and there's a python. Then people had just rushed over there, and there was a cop telling people, "Stay back! It's too late." So it was filled with smoke, and you know, I wasn't listening to him. Went in there and dragging this guy out, his seatbelts on, and. Oh, please, I had to go out, come back because of the smoke, and I got him again. And my sister's trying to pull me, tear my shirt off, finally get the guy. Somebody helped me, and we drug him out just before the fire. You know, it turned out his new wife was in the other side. She got burned up. Didn't even see her. But, you know, there's just things that we should do, you know? We should be like that. We should be the light of this world. People. You know Gandhi. You ever heard of Gandhi? He had influence over millions and billions really. of I don't know. Hindus. Muslims, Whatever they are over in Sikhs. And India. And elsewhere. And people just adored him for his philosophy. And his loving nature seemingly. But to the end of his days. His testimony was. I would have been a Christian. But then I met one. When he was in prison over there in Africa, in exile, he read the Bible and he believed it. And he went to a church when he got out. It was a, a foreign missionary church, Episcopalian or Presbyterian or something over there in Africa. And he went there to be saved, to be baptized, and they wouldn't let him in. Right. Right. We don't want that to be our witness. Our, we don't want to be the cause of that. But, nevertheless, that's the situation. We want to be aware. We want to do the best we can, not in our own strength. Because, you see, I was talking to my wife this morning about it. Because everybody wants to make everything a law. you gotta, you got to honor this person and respect this, this person, the weakest amongst us, they say. And they make it sound so wonderful. We're going to make it a law, you know. But then they don't tolerate anything about Christians. I said, you see the problem with that? Look, look at the story of the Good Samaritan. The priest and the, and the Levite, the ones who knew to love God and, and love their neighbor. They knew it and taught it to their whole culture. And it was a law required of them by God. They're the first ones to bypass those in need. You can't do it by making it a law. You need to be saved. You need to have Jesus. You need to be changed from within. And then you need to renew your mind according to the word. This has to be the most prevalent thing in our lives. Everything we do and say should be bouncing off of what Jesus says and taught. If that's not something, if we don't change our mind about something several times a day, we may not be bearing our cross. You're going to come to a place every day in your life at a crossroads where your will and God's will are not necessarily in agreement. And as a sold out Christian, you said, Jesus is the Lord of my life. That's one of the requirements of salvation. So that means your will goes out the window and you just, God said it, that settles it. Not really what I would prefer. Doesn't feel great. Might cost me something. But he said it, and I know I can't outgive God. I'm going to agree with him. He put on my heart about eight or nine years ago. Nine one one in my spirit every day. It's in that new book that I wrote. Uh, had not got published yet, but the clock. If I'm awake, nine eleven in the morning, nine eleven at night. I'll look at the clock. I'm passing something in 911 or numbers written on anything, it's highlighted to me. 911, 911. It caused me to learn all the 911 scriptures, everything. (laughs) I said, What are you saying, Lord? And finally, I just relaxed and he impressed upon me that it's just his sense of urgency that I need to walk in as well. Not a burden or fear, but an excited sense of urgency. To do his will in the short time that we have left. People are suffering and dying. We know them. We, we work with them. We love them. They're family members. We, we see them every day. And because they're nice or good person. We think they're okay. And that's just not the way it is. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. So don't just think it's those old sinners out there. They need it maybe Urgently. To, to, to save them from the doors they're opening to the devil in their life you know so you're believing for them always but don't forget about those who you know the 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 hell is hell is filled with philanthropists those people who just gave and gave and gave and charitable this and everything you ought to go online and listen to Angelica's testimony sometime it's a girl in South America who went to see Jesus he showed her heaven he showed her hell Ooh. Powerful, powerful. You never believed some of the people she said she saw while she was in hell. I'll leave it at that. You know the story of the Good Samaritan, I'm done here. It's not just natural truth. There's a lot of spiritual truth. It's all the there's hidden manna all throughout the word. Not hidden from you, it's hidden for you because you belong to him. There's a scripture in 2nd Peter 3 8 says. Do not overlook this one fact. Beloved that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. What did. What did the Samaritan give to the innkeeper to take care of the beaten man. What did it, what did, what was it called in the word as I just read it to you? He gave him two denarii, right? Denarii, denarii, I don't know. Do you know what a denari is? Yeah. In those days, it was a day's wage. One day's wage. He gave him two, which would have probably bought him maybe... Few weeks there, who knows? Whatever you make for in a day, you know, hopefully it's more than the cost of one hotel room. I don't know these days. (laughs) But anyway, back then it probably would have bought him a couple of weeks or whatever. Two days' wages is what he gave him. Let's look at this in type and shadow. Jesus, the only good person there ever was, right? He comes along, he sees this beaten. Broken, forgotten person. Me, you. I know I was. Picks him up. Cleans him up. Wine to the alcohol would kill the bacteria and infection. Puts oil to relieve the pain. Puts him on his own animal. Instead of riding, he he puts him on there. Carries the burden. Provides healing. Safety. Takes him to this innkeeper. And puts him in his care and pays him more than enough. And then he says, if anything else is due, when I return, I'll pay it. Just take good care of it. Holy Spirit. Jesus when he left he turned everything over to the church and he left us in the care of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit never asked for any kind of accolades or acknowledgement he's amazing Jesus said, you can say anything you want about me. Don't ever, ever talk bad about him. That won't be forgiven. So humble and loving, caring. He's left us in his care. Two days' wages he gave him, though. One denarii, 1,000 years. A day is as a 1,000 years. a 1,000 years as a day. Two days' wages. In just a few years... Our years, it will be two thousand years since he left. Yeah. Here's two days' wages till our return. Nine mm-hmm. one. It's not gonna be long. Only thing that's gonna be left when we're in heaven is this word. This will all be burned up. At some point by fire not by global warming God's going to do it he put everything here that we'll ever need he anticipated all of human creation's needs for all time that he had planned for them to be here don't worry about global warming God God just not put us here for us to figure out how to save the planet that's what people without God do we know how it's done. Okay. Singleness of vision is so important. That's why at the, the inception of this little body, it's so good that we walk in unity in love in a, in agreement, not like I said before, not about how to cut our hair or what clothes to wear or to say this and say that. And, but unity about the things of God and the vision of God for this this body as he has handed it down through the leadership through the pastor to be a help to the body of Christ to be a sanctuary where people can come and feel his presence, be healed physically, spiritually prospered Feel his love through us. It's going to be awesome. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for sharing your word, your truth with us today. Your love. Lord, we just ask that you help us to plant this word deep in our hearts and allow it to protect it. Protect it, Father. Protect it from the enemy. Who would try to steal it from us. Allow it to take root. Grow and bear fruit in our lives. Let us to reflect on the good Samaritan. And be that. Be that person. Be like you Jesus. Be conformed more and more. As we behold your glory through your word. Your promises. Your love for us. Help us to be more like you. And where we're lacking Lord. Help us just to rely upon your broad shoulders, your mercy to draw upon your grace. And thank you, Lord, for all the things that you have for us. I ask that you bless each and every person here and everyone who will hear this message. Prosper them, Lord, heal them, empower them by your Holy Spirit, and let them have a fantastic revelation of your perfect love for them. That they might, in effect, share the overflow of that beautiful love. In Jesus' name, amen.